Well, hello there, and welcome to the Good Old Days of Radio Show. It's Tuesday. Tuesday means drama, variety, and comedy. Since I like the Sam Spade radio program, and we haven't played one for a few weeks, we're going to. And when we finish with the Sam Spade program, you're going to get an extra program today. We're going to go on and do Burns and Allen, the George Burns and Gracie Allen show, with special guest Sam Spade. So it's a double dose of Sam Spade, a straight episode followed by a comedic episode. And Sam Spade program was kind of comedic in itself. It was not didn't take itself totally seriously like some of the detective shows. There are definite elements of humor and and light touches all throughout the scripts, and they're quite fun to listen to, so they hold up quite well. This particular one is from June 20th, 1948. It's called The Death Bed Caper, and this was taken directly from the original three-part CBS Master Transcriptions uh, that belonged to actress June Havoc, who was married to producer William Spear, most known for suspense, but also produced Sam Spade and a number of other shows. So anyway, that's what you're going to get. Have fun. The Adventures of Sam Spade, The Deathbed Caper, and stay tuned after that. Don't, don't shut off your podcast. Stay tuned after that for another one, George Burns and Gracie Allen with special guest Sam Spade. The Adventures of Sam Spade, Detective. Brought to you by Wild Root Cream Oil Hair Tonic, the non-alcoholic hair tonic that contains lanolin. Wild Root Cream Oil, again and again, the choice of men who put good grooming first. Sam Spade Detective Agency. It's me, sweetheart, risen from not one, but two deathbeds. Oh, Sam, I bet not. You wouldn't take that line down. Oh, Effie, you made a joke. Well, you did first, Sam. I did not. Oh, you mean you actually Oh, don't pin me down. Anyway, I was present at two dying declarations. Would you believe, Effie, that a man could say something that wasn't true at a time like that? Oh, no. You mean a man would be lying on his deathbed? Oh, Effie, you made a joke. Oh, Sam, now stop it. I don't know what you It's all right, Effie. I forgive you. You can atone by telling me how wonderful you think I am. I think you're... That you may do when I arrive in a trice to dictate my report on the deathbed caper. Dashiell Hammett, America's leading detective fiction writer and creator of Sam Spade, the hard-boiled private eye, and William Spear, radio's outstanding producer-director of mystery and crime drama, join their talents to make your hair stand on end with the adventures of Sam Spade. Presented by the makers of Wild Root Cream Oil for the hair. Tell me, mister, how many times a day do you have to comb your hair? Not many, I'll bet, if you groom it right, first thing every morning, with Wild Root Cream Oil. For this famous hair tonic grooms your hair neatly and naturally, and helps it to stay that way throughout the day. Wild Root Cream Oil also relieves dryness and removes loose dandruff. With Wild Root Cream Oil, you don't have to keep combing your hair every two minutes. (laughs) That is, unless your gal can't resist running her hands through it. Get Wild Root Cream Oil hair tonic. Again and again, the choice of men who put good grooming first. And now, with Howard Duff starring as Spade, Wild Root brings to the air the greatest private detective of them all in the adventures of Sam Spade. Many brave hearts are asleep in the deep. Captain Sam, there's the brig for you. You got your logbook handy, gal? Oh, yes, Captain. So beware. You make it that's awful deep. Be. Oh. Uh, date, June 20th, 1948. Where? Oh, <laughs> I have no shame. To uh, Marin County Sheriff's Office, San Rafael, California. Attention, Deputy Woodington from Samuel Spade, license number 137596. Subject, the uh, deathbed caper. Dear Bill, the uh, dawn came up like thunder out of Chinatown across the bay. In San Francisco, all we could see was fog. But on your side, it must have lifted briefly because somebody named Dan Starbuck managed to find his way to a phone booth, call me, and ask me to meet him at the 3rd Street Pier in Sausalito. 
I didn't see him when I first got there. I didn't even see the pier. It was too foggy. But in the glow of the neon lights in front of the Viking saloon, I saw a man who seemed to be waiting for somebody. He was a big guy with a good face, but plenty of worry on it. Mr. Spade? Yeah, Mr. Starbuck? Dan Starbuck. Come on down to the end of the pier. I'll explain as we go along. We've got to hurry. You act hot. You wanted for something? Well, not yet. What's the caper? Well, it... my brother's out there on his yacht, the Marguerite. He's dying. When he's dead, they may call it murder. I want to be there with a the witness. That's you. In case he has anything to say about who did it. Who did? They think I did. Did you? Well, honestly, I don't know. It happened the night before last. I went out there to see him. We've hated each other for years. We're, we've both been drinking, and we drank some more. Then there was a fight. I drew a blank somewhere. Next thing I knew was around midnight. I pulled myself together, went into his cabin. Gordon was lying there with his head all kicked. I realized I was covered with blood, and I was holding something in my hand, big glass paperweight. I dropped it. I got out of there fast and swam ashore. I planned to tell you a different story, but that's it. You want the job or not? You think you'll make a deathbed statement that'll clear you and you want me for a witness? Yeah, that's it. You got a lot of guts. I'm hired. Good. Uh, Halverson? You down there? Halverson! Who's Halverson? Uh, he's a boatman. He'll row us out. Halverson? Hey, Nils? Donnie? Yeah. Is that you, Casino? Sure. Can I do you some favor? I want to go out to the Marguerite. I can't find Halverson anywhere. Well, I guess I can take you. Are you sure that yeah, you... I'm sure. Uh, uh, Sam Spade, Del Casino. He's the boss of the Marguerite. Glad to meet you. Sam. Any friend of Danny's. Hey, listen, Danny, you sure you want to go out there? Any reason why you shouldn't? Well, it's up to him. In his place, I would be on a freighter for China, way out there where the fog is more thicker. No, it's all right, Casino. I know what I'm doing. Well, uh, your friend, you, you excuse me, your name? Spade. You pardon me, I better ask. The police don't want you for nothing? Not yet, but don't make book on it. Uh, push us clear, Danny. <laughs> this fog is closing in. But I can still see the lights from the Marguerite. I wish we don't find her. But we did. She was wearing clam diggers, an off-the-shoulder T-shirt, and was leaning against the rail as the dinghy pulled past a police launch and nestled in under the ladder of the yacht. Dell? Dell, is that you? Yes, Mr. Starbuck. Who is that with you? Keep quiet. Dell. Dell, what are they saying ashore about... The... Oh, I, I thought you... You're Mrs. Starbuck? Yes? I'm Sam Spade. I'm from San Francisco. I'm a detective. Your brother-in-law's in the boat. You captured him? He wants to come aboard. He wants to? Why? He's hoping your husband will say something to clear him before he dies. Is there any reason why he shouldn't come aboard? Oh, there's every reason in the world why he shouldn't. The police are in there with my husband right now. Yeah? The doctor says there's a possibility that he may regain consciousness long enough to make a dying declaration. Mm -hmm. If... If he's face to face with Dan, there's no telling what he'll say. I wish Dan wouldn't. My, my husband is dying. Dan? Yeah, what'd she say? I don't know, but I think you'd better come aboard. He seemed almost delighted as he swung his weight up out of the dinghy and climbed the ladder. Del Casino, the bosun, followed, wearing a puzzled expression that turned to fear as we entered the cabin. The yellow glare from the lamp swinging overhead was almost blinding to walk into out of the foggy night. The first thing I focused on was the bunk that held the dying man. His head was heavily bandaged, his skin was chalk white, and his lips were beginning to turn blue. The room was tense with waiting. Ranged around him in a semicircle were the supporting players. Two doctors, one family type with a nurse, one police medic without, one sheriff with cigar, one police stenographer, female with pencil and notebook poised, Nine-tenths of a widow and us. At 18 minutes past seven, somebody moved. It was the dying man. The two doctors rushed forward, took his pulse and blood pressure. Miss Scott, adrenaline 3cc, carmine 1, saline solution. Oh. 
All right, Sheriff, he's huh? conscious now, but uh, you'd better hurry. Oh, good. Ah, uh, Mr. Starbuck, you can hear me all right? Mm-hmm. Take that down. Can you hear me? Affirmative answer. Now, Mr. Starbuck, we have to ask these questions. One, what is your name? Please try to answer. What is your name? Gordon M. Starr. You got that? What is your name, Gordon M. Starr? Yeah, that's close enough. Fill it in later. Now, Mr. Starbuck, where do you live? Uh, where do you live? I'm dead. You got that? 1277 Marymount, Pasadena. Hey. Now, Mr. Starbuck, let's try a little harder. Hmm? This is a long one. Have you been injured, and what was the cause of your injury? Uh, yes. Hurts, man. You got that? Affirmative. Now, the second part. What was the cause of your injury? Uh, head. Uh, head on head. Uh, do you believe that you're about to die as a result of your injuries and have you no hope of recovery? I know. No hope. Uh, uh, now, let's get to the point. Who inflicted said injuries? Mr. Starbuck, please, I... you haven't much time, you know. Go away. Doc, is there anything you can do? I'm afraid not. Oh, this is ghastly. Can't you leave him alone? Can't you let him die in peace? What are you afraid of, Maggie? What are you afraid he'll say? All right. All right, tell them, Gordon. It was Dan that struck you, wasn't it? He was jealous. He always hated you for marrying me. It was Dan. Now, 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 Mr. Starbuck, I know how you feel, but we can't allow this sort of thing. Please uh, step aside so we can finish up here. Uh, Mr. Starbuck. Uh, Doctor? Uh, very low pulse. I'm not sure. Dan. Whether... Dan. Is Dan here? Here I am, Gordon. Tell him. Tell him the truth. Do you identify this man, Mr. Starbuck? Yes. He's my brother. Got that brother Dan? He's, He's the one. He's lying. Gordon, you know who did it. Why don't you tell the truth? What do you got to lose now? Nothing. Nothing. I'm finished. You finished me. Gordon! Gordon, not yet. I'll come back. Doctor, can't you? He's dead. Well. Okay, Doc. Dennis Starbuck, it is my duty as sheriff of this county to take you into custody on suspicion of murder. And I must tell you that anything you say may be held against you. You'd better come along too, Spade. Routine questioning, you know. Okay, sir. And I don't think we'll need the handcuffs, will we, son? No, I'll go with you. Right. Yes, indeed, son. It's always smart to come along quietly. Yeah. Well, this is as far as I need. Hey, Dan, come back here. Use your head. He only had one friend. It was the best friend in the world for a man on the land, the fog. The searchlights on the police launch spun frantically as the craft heeled around in a half circle to head him off. Instead of cutting the fog, the beams from the powerful lights bounced back from it and blinded the men behind them. After ten minutes of that, they gave up. The sheriff had a theory. Ah, uh, don't worry. Between the fog and the currents, I doubt if we'll make it. We'll probably recover the body in the morning. And they did. But it wasn't Dan Starbuck's body. It was the bosun, Del Casino. And he was found in Richardson Bay, adrift in the dinghy from the Marguerite. Somebody had creased his skull with the same type blunt instrument that had been used on Gordon Starbuck. But Dell hadn't lived long enough to make a dying declaration. The makers of Wild Root Cream Oil are presenting the weekly Sunday adventure of Dashiell Hammett's famous private detective, Sam Spade. Here's important news on good grooming. If you want the well-groomed look that helps you get ahead socially and on the job, listen. Recently, thousands of people from coast to coast who bought Wild Root Cream Oil for the first time were asked, how does Wild Root Cream Oil compare with the hair tonic you previously used? The results were amazing. 
Better than four out of five who replied said they preferred Wild Root Cream Oil. And no wonder. It gives you the advantages that men consider most important. Wild Root Cream Oil grooms your hair neatly and naturally, relieves annoying dryness, and removes loose dandruff. What's more, non-alcoholic Wild Root Cream Oil is the only leading hair tonic that contains soothing lanolin that's like the oil of your skin. So ask for Wild Root Cream Oil Hair Tonic. Again and again, the choice of men who put good grooming first. By the way, smart girls use Wild Root Cream Oil too, and mothers say it's grand for training children's hair. And now back to Caper with Two Deathbeds, tonight's adventure with Sam Spade. Police theory of the Del Casino killing went something like this. Casino had shoved off in the dinghy to join in the search for Dan Starbuck, had rescued him, and been maced for his pains. Also found in the dinghy, but not as yet worked into the police theory, were two items. One, a waterproof wallet containing the seaman's papers of one Nils Halverson. Two, a tattoo mark on the right bicep of the deceased. A small heart with a name in it, Maggie. The brand-new widow of the same name was waiting in my office when I got there the following afternoon. Hello. Hello to you, Mrs. Starbuck. What can I do for you? Mr. Spade, I... I know very little about the ethics of your profession, and... Well, are... Are you still working for Danny? If you mean, do I know where he is, the answer's no. Oh. I hoped you'd say that. Why? Because I want you to work for me. Need a new bosun? You needn't have put it quite so crudely. No, I needn't. Since your work is confidential, I'll admit I've... I've done a few things that... Well, it's all too true. My first mistake was marrying Gordon Starbuck when I didn't love him. And I should never have let myself fall in love with Dan. I certainly should have known better than to let Dell fall in love with me. What about Nils Halverson? And me? Well, hardly... No. Nils Halverson was employed by my husband for various odd jobs whenever we put in at Sausalito. Mostly he'd row the guests out to the ship. He rowed Danny out the night my husband was killed. At least I think he did. I didn't actually see him. Where's Halverson now? I don't know. He, he goes off on drunks for days at a time, but, but... But I have a feeling that someone has paid him to disappear. He... He might have overheard something. Hold on a minute. He... You're going too fast. Are you uh, working up to a confession? Oh, no. It's, it's just that I'm afraid a great injustice may have been done to Danny. A after all, Mr. Spade, a man who's dying, I, I don't see how he could be altogether in his right mind. Do you? The law says he is if he knows his name and address. A deathbed accusation is the strongest evidence a lawyer can shove at a jury. You can't cross-examine a dead man, and most people have the quaint idea that a man on his deathbed is a lot more truthful than he was when he was hale and hearty. Then you think Gordon may have been lying? Could be, or wool-gathering, or picking up some of the lines you were feeding him. Oh, I, I was just afraid he might die before he... You, you see, I thought I might shock him into saying yes or no. He, he could have said no, couldn't he? Well, make up your mind. Oh, all I know is it's on my conscience now. If we could find old Halverson and force him to tell what he knows. He's a very strange man. He's devoted to me. If, if the police find him before I do, he, he might refuse to talk out of a mistaken loyalty. To you? Well, I, I meant if he thought I had anything to do with the... Well, he's very strange. I told you that. What makes you so sure he's alive? Oh, why wouldn't he be? If I'd been the killer and he'd rode me to and from the scene of my crime, I'd see him secured in Davy Jones' locker. Fish feed, lobster bait, asleep in the deep. Will you work for me? I'll let you know. I didn't have time to get tattooed, but the rest of me was marinated enough. On my head, I was wearing a dirtied-up yachting cap. And the rest of me, I was wearing a pea jacket, dungarees, and sea boots. I was also wearing clamshell number five as I rolled up to the Viking saloon. Well, what did it be, mate? Uh, Arkevit and Vakta. Uh, have you seen my cousin? Your cousin? 
Who's your cousin, Prince Valiant? Uh, no, my cousin, Niels Halverson. Uh, Niels Halverson. Oh, no. You're Niels' cousin, mm. are you? Yeah. Well, uh, coming from the old country? Yeah, uh, Minnesota. Uh, uh, by you, Minnie. Well, no, he'll be right glad to see you then. Uh, where uh, fair is he? I'll, uh, <clears throat> I don't want to say this too loud. Yeah. Bend over there. Yeah. He's in trouble, you know. Oh? Yes. I got him holed up down below. Oh. Yeah, come on, come on. Well, by golly, I sure been glad to be going to see my cousin Niels. <laughs> Niels Halverson. Drop the act and get down there. Hey! Okay, Joe, I'll take over from here. Easy, easy. Okay, Danny, me boy. I got his gun. Well, watch him now, watch him. He's full of smorgasbord. Well, Spade, you're the one person I didn't expect to see. But I'm very glad to. Yeah, I wish I hadn't found you. I wanted to find somebody else first. Halverson? Yeah. He's here. Want to see him? That's what I came for. In under here. Watch your head, low bridge. Yeah. Yeah, here we are. Where? The boathouse under the pier. Halverson used to hole in here to sleep off his schnapps. Where's he now? Over here. Uh-huh. Yeah, he's going to be a long time sleeping this one off. He'd been missing since that night. Nobody knew he was here till last night. I headed for the saloon when I swam ashore. Joe hid me out here. He could still talk then. What'd he say? I wrote it down here. But it's no help. Let's see it. It's just a jumble of words. Uh, Marguerite. Marguerite. Merry Christmas drink. My beautiful Helga. Row, row your boat. Now throw me back. Row me back. $20 good and drunk. Mm. Fog rolling in. Good and drunk. Gonna be five days, no business. Oh, my head. Paint the boat. Oh, crazy stuff. $20. Uh, did you give him 20 bucks to row you I out? I didn't even see him. I swam out. My loving brother wouldn't have let me on board if he'd heard me arriving like a gentleman. 20 bucks. Did you frisk him? No. I'll have a look. Oh, I don't... Hey, Wait. Uh-huh. Real soggy, but a 20. I don't care. I'm sticking to my story. I swam out there. I didn't give him that 20. Maybe you didn't. Maybe you didn't. You gotta believe me. I didn't even have 20 bucks. That's why I Shut got... Shut up. What's the matter with you? What are you gonna do? Come over here, Dan. What? Hey! I don't believe a word of your story, and even if I did, it wouldn't make any difference. Well, what are you... Shut up. You're going to stop talking and listen for a while. I stuffed a gag into his mouth and muscled him over to a piling and handcuffed him to it. He didn't even look surprised. He just stood there staring at me as if he'd lost his last friend in the world. But I wasn't looking at him as much as I was listening to those footsteps on the boards overhead. I waited for them to come back. They did. I walked across the soggy planks to where Nils Halverson lay in the shadows. Nils, I want you to answer these questions again. Now, this time, I'm going to take them down. You get lots of $20 and lots of drink. Now then, I know you don't feel so good. You don't have to talk if you don't feel like it. Just nod your head for yes and shake it for no. Okay, Nils? That counts in a court of law as long as there's a witness. Okay. Now, your name is Nils Halverson. Your address is 213 Bayview Sausalito. That's correct, is it? Nod your head. Good. Good. That proves you're in your right mind. You know you were injured. Yeah. You know the cause of your injury. Hit on the head and thrown over the side of your boat. What? Huh? Not from... Oh, dinghy. Well, it's the same thing. All right. Now, you know you're dying. You have no hope of recovery. That's obvious, but nod your head. That's the boy. Now, uh, Nils, on the night of the 18th, around 10 o'clock, after your usual working hours, you rowed somebody out to the yacht Marguerite in return for which this person gave you a $20 bill. This person is also the person who killed, who, in, who inflicted your fatal injuries. It is. Now, uh, the name of that person, if you can possibly speak even in a whisper, so there can be no mistake. Can you hear me? Just say it close to my ear. Yeah? Yes. Yes, I got it. That's all. Now, I know you don't write, Nils, but make your mark here. Come on, I'll guide your hand. There. Now we're going to take... Nils. Nils. 
Well, anyway. All right, Maggie, come on in and join the party. Uh, don't try anything. The light's on you. I'm a better shot than you, and if there's a ruckus, the whole saloon will be down on us. They're all friends of Danny's, too. Stop there. Toss the gun. Okay. What's the matter, Angel? You look kind of scared. No. Just disappointed, that's all. Don't give up so easy, sweetheart. I always wanted to take a trip around the world. We might go on the Marguerite. Together. Yeah. Yeah, sailing into the sunset. Sleeping with our deathbed statements under each other's pillows. Yeah, I see what you mean. I guess it wouldn't work. How much for yours, and what do we do about him? Dan? I'll take care of that. Throw it in with a deal. Okay. But I want it in writing. A little statement to the effect that I can keep under my pillow. Fair enough. Now, all I want from you is a little statement from you to this effect. That you, Marguerite Starbuck, employed Nils Halverson to row you out to the yacht on the night of the 18th, that you there overheard a quarrel between your husband and brother-in-law, and that taking advantage of said brother-in-law's inebriated condition, you sneaked up behind your husband, hit him with a paperweight, and decamped, leaving the murder weapon in Dan's hand. You then started back to shore in the dinghy, and realizing that the only witness who could testify you were aboard that night... All right, night... all right. All right, I'll sign it. Okay. We'll have plenty of time to put in all the legal decorations later. I'm afraid we won't, baby. You're going to be spending all your available time at the Hatchapi and points west. What are you talking you about? You just made a full confession in front of a witness. You heard it, didn't you, Dan? Every word. Oh, we fight. Honest. An honest man. Well, I did tell a fib. Now, this is really going to hurt, I'm afraid, Maggie. You see, we didn't actually have any deathbed statement to match yours. No? No. Nils Halverson was a good deal too dead to have made a deathbed statement just now. He's been stiff for 12 hours. Uh, period and a report. Well, Sam, I'll type this right up because then I'm leaving. Wait a minute, Effie. I had to do it that way. Don't you understand? Of course, Sam. I quite understand. But you object, huh? A cruel, ruthless, murdering, though beautiful woman, foiled by a clever ruse, a great acting performance by the greatest private detective of them all. Is that all? You're still leaving. Yes, Sam, my bags are packed. Well, pardon me for having feet. There's a reason, men. In fact, there are five big reasons why more men every day are turning to wild root cream oil for well-groomed hair. Wild Root Cream Oil grooms your hair neatly and naturally. Wild Root Cream Oil relieves dryness and removes loose dandruff. Wild Root Cream Oil is non-alcoholic and contains soothing lanolin. Five big reasons why you, too, should join the millions with handsome, well-groomed hair. Why you should step up to your drug or toilet goods counter and ask for Wild Root Cream Oil. Get the big economy bottle and the handy new tube that's easy to pack when you travel and just right for the office or plant. Also, ask your barber for a professional application of Wild Root Cream Oil Hair Tonic. Again and again, the choice of men who put good grooming first. Well, here it is, Sam. Goodbye. Now, wait a minute, Effie. You can't leave like this, not without... Oh, all right. I'll talk to you while I'm putting my hat on. Well, can't you at least look at me? After all, you should give me a chance to justify... Sam, apparently you're laboring under an apprehension. Of course I am. Oh, boy, am I glad I picked the last in June and the first in July. What are you talking about? My vacation. Vacation? You just had a vacation a few months back. Well, Sam, that's a year. Well, if you want to take advantage of the legal technicality. Now, Sam, don't say goodbye, man. Well, it... Well, it's customary, I suppose. It's lucky that some of us keep our nose to the grindstone, our ear to the ground, an eye to the future. Huh? Television's just around the corner, you know. Oh, Sam. <laughs> Come here, sweetheart. You look lovely in it. Come here. Have a wonderful time. Oh, Sam. Oh, Sam. Come here. <gasps> now go on. You missed your train. Uh, where are you going? To Los Sierras. Well, just so you don't go to Canab, Utah. All right, Sam. You know best. Good, good night. Good night, Sierra Sue. Now, who can we get for that part next week? The Adventures of Sam Spade, Dashiell Hammett's famous private detective, are produced and directed by William Spear. Sam Spade is played by Howard Duff. Lorene Tuttle is Effie.
The Adventures of Sam Spade are written for radio by Bob Tallman and Gil Dowd with musical direction by Lud Gluskin. Join us again next Sunday when author Dashiell Hammett and producer William Spear join forces for another adventure with Sam Spade brought to you by Wild Root Cream Oil. Again and again, the choice of men who put good grooming first. This is Dick Joy reminding you to... Get Wild Root Cream Oil, Charlie. It keeps your hair in trim. You see, it's non-alcoholic, Charlie. It's made with soothing lanolin. You better get Wild Root Cream Oil, Charlie. Start using it today. You'll find that you will have a tough time, Charlie. Keeping all the gals away. Hiya, Baldy. Get Wild Root right away. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. And there you have it, The Adventures of Sam Spade, The Deathbed Caper, also known as The Caper with Two Deathbeds, uh, from June 20th, 1948, with Howard Duff as Sam Spade, Lorene Tuttle about to go on vacation as Effie, um, great radio cast in this one, too. Elliot and Kathy Lewis, husband and wife radio team. Both of them did loads of radio, suspense, uh, Phil Harris, Alice Faye, on and on and on. And you also heard briefly William Conrad, later the voice of Matt Dillon in Gunsmoke. William Conrad appeared in this show. It was an all-star cast and an all-star well-written show for several years and one of my all-time favorite detective shows. So there we go, Sam Spade. Now, as I promised, we're going to let you hear a little bit of, uh, well, a little bit, a whole show of George Burns and Gracie Allen with special guest Sam Spade. So they're going to take the comedy to a little different level here with George and Gracie. For those of you who don't know who George Burns and Gracie Allen were, let me take a minute there. They were a big, big team in vaudeville way, way back. Then they went into movies, appeared in short films and feature films, and then they conquered radio and finally television and remained on television until Gracie died in the early 60s. George Burns went on to become a very popular and very old comedian. He, uh, just like Betty White, did not quite make it to 100 years old. He died a few weeks short of his 100th birthday. But George Burns did a, I think he did a TV special called George Burns' 100th uh, Birthday Special that appeared <laughs> a few months before his 100th birthday, and then he passed away before he made it to 100. In any case, he was very popular up until that time, a uh, guest on all the late-night talk shows, telling stories and talking about the old days. Gracie Allen was kind of the first dumb blonde, so to speak. I don't think she was blonde, but it was that character, that kind of ditzy character, very well known for that. So from February 10th, 1949, the George Burns and Gracie Allen Show with special guest Sam Spade. <laughs> Another cup of Maxwell House coffee, George? Sure, pour me a cup, Gracie. You know, Maxwell House is always good to the last drop. That drop's good, too. <laughs> yes, it's Maxwell House coffee time, starring George Burns and Gracie Allen. With our special guest, Howard Duff, who is the famous detective Sam Spade. Yours truly, Toby Reed, Joseph Kearns, Eric Snowden, Harry Lubin, the Maxwell House Orchestra, and Bill Goodwin. For America's Thursday night comedy enjoyment, it's George and Gracie. And for America's everyday coffee drinking enjoyment, it's Maxwell House. Always good to the last drop. Many people say that Gracie is responsible for George being where he is today, and that's certainly true. Gracie is also responsible for Sam Spade being where he is today. You see, George and Sam Spade are both in jail. How did it happen? Well, let's listen as George is being questioned by a police lieutenant. All right, let's start at the top. Name? George Burns. Occupation? I'm married to Gracie Allen. <laughs> no, 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 no. What do you do? What keeps you busy? 
I'm married to Gracie Allen. <laughs> Let me put it this way. What's your source of income? I'm married to Gracie Allen. <laughs> All right, skip it. What's your age? Approximately 42. How come you look older? I'm married to Gracie Allen. <laughs> What's your address? 360 North Camden. All right, Burns. Now, suppose you tell me why you're in this jam. I'm married to Gracie Allen. <laughs> you're in a rut. Hey, Spade, how come you're in this jam? He's married to Gracie Allen. <laughs> you know, Burns, you and this Spade character are accused of murder. Now, suppose you tell me the whole story right from the start. Okay, Lieutenant. It all started last Sunday night. I was sitting home listening to the radio with my wife. I'm married to, to Gracie, Gracie Allen. Allen. Yes, that part I know. Take it from there. Well, Gracie and I were listening to the adventures of Sam Spade. The, pro the program was just finishing. All right, Jenkins. Let's take a little ride down to headquarters. Me, sir? But I wouldn't murder Mr. Benson. I've been his butler for 20 years. Don't play innocent. I know you pulled this caper, and I've got enough evidence to put you right in the hot seat. But, Mr. Spade, I didn't do it. Say that malarkey for the warden. You were clever, Jenkins, but not clever enough. I think I'll call this the careless butler caper. <laughs> Why did you turn off the radio, Gracie? Sam Spade got the wrong man tonight. What? I'm positive that Jenkins the butler wasn't guilty. An innocent man is going to get the hot plate. <laughs> hot seat. And don't worry. He'll only get it on the radio. Well, who cares where they put it? When he sits down, it'll burn. <laughs> oh, I, I've got to talk to Sam Spade right away. Honey, Sam Spade is not a real detective. I'll say he isn't. Any man who'd make an innocent butler sit on the hot plate should... Gracie, he'll get a hot seat. Oh, he sure will after he sits on that hot plate. <laughs> Look, here's what I mean. On his program, Sam Spade is a private detective. But in real life, he's just an ordinary guy. Just like on your program, you're a nitwit. But in real life... <laughs> Anyway, Gracie, what you just heard was only a radio program. I know that. The real crime happened last week. Every Sunday night, Sam Spade broadcasts his most thrilling case of the week. You still don't understand. Sam Spade is just a character. I'll say he's a character. Making that poor innocent butler sit on a hot plate. Hot seat. Let me try to explain this once more. Sam Spade isn't even the fella's real name. He's the brainchild of Dashiell Hammett. Oh, oh, you mean his real name is Sam Hammett. No, his real name is Howard Duff Then why, is his, uh, why isn't his father's name Dashiell Duff? <laughs> Look, Sam Spade doesn't have any actual father or mother He came from Dashiell Hammett's typewriter Oh, George, you're so innocent <laughs> You know you believe that old story about coming from under cabbage leaves, too? <laughs> What's the use? Okay, Sam Spade is a naughty detective, and he's sending an innocent butler to the hot plate. Hot seat. <laughs> Good night, dear. Good night. Well, Lieutenant, I didn't think any more about it. I was tired. It was past my bedtime. What time was it? was after nine. Gee. <laughs> so I went to bed thinking Gracie would follow me. Instead, she followed Sam Spade. Oh, what do you mean? Uh, let me tell you about that part of it, Lieutenant. Uh, okay, Spade. Well, I'd uh, finished my regular Sunday night show at the broadcasting studio, after which the actors lingered on for a little bull session, you know, who stepped on whose lines, I want a bigger part next week, and so forth. So uh, it's about 10 when I step out into the California night air, which is also about 10. But... Uh, <laughs> There's no snow, so I decide to walk home. I haven't taken two steps when this little lady grabs me by the sleeve and says... Are you Sam Spade? Well, if I had known then what I know now, I would have thrown myself under the wheels of a passing sunset bus. <laughs> but I'm a ham, and I figure she's maybe a fan, so I answer in my best Pasadena Playhouse voice. Why, yes, I'm Sam Spade. The butler didn't do it. Huh? You've got the wrong man. The butler didn't jerk that kipper. 
jerk that kipper. Y- yank that copper? You mean pull that caper? That's it, yeah. <laughs> you sent an innocent man to jail. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. Lady, I think you're a little mixed up about me. I'm just an actor on CBS. That's what everybody says. <laughs> Look, uh, little lady, I'm tired. It's been a tough day. I'll uh, see you around, huh? Now, just a minute, Sam Spade. I heard you arrest that butler. Now, y- you've got to let him go free. You uh, wouldn't give me a rib, would you? Anything to free that butler. Which rib do you want? <laughs> I'll tell you what. Why don't you write me a letter with a dull pencil? Don't use anything sharp. Mm-hmm. I'll do better than that. I'll come to your office. Where is it? I haven't got an office. Oh, plain cagey, huh? All right, I'll come to your house. Where's that? Uh, three, two, one. Oh, no. I'm not talking. I want to get some sleep tonight. So long. So long. Why are you following me? What do you want? Got a cigarette? Sure. Here you are. Thanks. Got a match? Sure. Want me to light it for you? No, thanks. I don't smoke. <laughs> then why did you ask me for a cigarette? Well, I thought I'd better have it in case somebody asked me for one. <laughs> I see. Would you like a cigarette? No, thanks. Well, good night. Good night. Okay, okay. Now what? Got the time? Yeah, it's exactly uh, 10.10. Thanks, thanks. No, I meant it's 10 minutes after 10. You're wrong. My watch says 15 after 10. You've got a watch? Sure. Then why did you ask me the time? Want a cigarette? (laughs) No. Well, good night. Good night. Look, lady, stop following me. Yeah, fancy meeting me here. Can't I uh, give you the slip? Please. I couldn't accept a thing like that from a strange man. (laughs) All right, what do you want this time? Got a road map. A road map. Are you lost? No. May I make a suggestion? What? Get lost. (laughs) Well, good night. Good night. Well, I've had enough of this little lady. You've seen the end of me. Yeah, for two blocks. <laughs> this time I'll lose you. Hey, uh, taxi, taxi. Let's get out of here, cabby, but fast. Here's my house, cabby. Pull up. It was real driving, buddy. Keep the change. Good night. Good night. Oh, no. Oh, no! How did you get here? On the back of that cab. (laughs) Who are you, anyway? Oh, no, no. I'm too smart to tell you who I am. If I did, you'd complain to my husband, George Burns. (laughs) Oh, so you're Gracie Allen. How did you find out? You forget I'm a detective. Oh. And now I know what the National Safety Council means when they say, don't be a Gracie. Oh, never mind that. Are you going to let the butler go? Look, Gracie, there's really no butler in prison, and I'm not really Sam Spade. Oh, now don't give me that story about your mother being a typewriter. (laughs) What? (laughs) You're not talking to a child. I'm older than I look. Okay, Gracie, I see there's no use arguing with a smart girl like you. I'll see that the butler gets out. I'll get him the best mouthpiece in town. Get him out first. Fix his teeth later. (laughs) Okay, okay. Good night. Well, Lieutenant, I thought that that would be the end of the episode. But it wasn't, huh? Brother, you haven't heard anything yet. The next Uh, morning... Wait a minute, Mr. Burns. Before I listen to any more of this story, I'll have to send out for some aspirin. Yeah. Have some of mine. Hey, how come you walk around with your pockets full of aspirin? 
I'm married to Gracie Allen. Yes, it's Strike Up the Band, the glorious music of George Gershwin. You know, you just can't mistake those melodies, those typical harmonies, the wonderful Gershwin rhythms, and it's all these things, all the separate musical elements skillfully combined that make the music of George Gershwin so immortal. Listen a moment to one of his most famous compositions. It was heard for the first time just 25 years ago tonight. But see if you can recognize it when we play Just the Mellow Harmony. With that, we'll blend this counter-melody for richness. And now to add that vigorous Gershwin rhythm. Finally, we'll round out this great score as Gershwin intended you to hear and enjoy it by adding his full-bodied melody. Yes, the famous Rhapsody in Blue, even more popular today than when it was first played 25 years ago tonight. Like all great composers, George Gershwin knew well that great music requires not one, but many fine musical parts all skillfully blended into one harmonious score. And friends, it takes the same skill in blending to bring you great coffee, famous Maxwell House coffee. It's flavor, rich, satisfying, good-to-the-last-drop flavor that's made Maxwell House America's favorite brand of coffee. And to create the superb flavor, our Maxwell House experts combine not one, but many choice coffees from the fertile highlands of Latin America. First, they select premium grades of Manizales coffees for mellowness. To these coffees, fine medellins are added for richness. But famous Maxwell House flavor must be more than mellow and rich, so other choice coffees are added for vigor. And then Bucaramanga's coffees contribute their fine, full body. This perfectly balanced Maxwell House blend is then radiant roasted to flavor perfection and brought to you vacuum-packed, and Roaster Fresh. And because you folks on the West Coast really know and enjoy coffee at its best, Maxwell House is blended and roasted for you right here on the West Coast to satisfy your critical tastes. So tomorrow, discover all the extra flavor that's yours in every cup of America's favorite brand of coffee. Famous Maxwell House, always good to the last drop. to the city jail where George and Sam Spade are trying to explain how Gracie put them there. Let's see if I've got this straight so far, Burns. Your wife listened to Sam Spade's program, thought he was really sending an innocent butler to the chair and started hounding him. That's right, Lieutenant. What did you think, Spade? I uh, didn't know what to think, Lieutenant. The surveys tell me I have 10 million odd listeners, but I didn't think any of them were that odd. Well, anyway, to get rid of her, you told her that you'd free the butler. Yeah, but that didn't satisfy Gracie. She demanded to see the guy. That's when Spade came to me for help. He asked me to make Gracie leave him alone. Now, what'd you say? I told him to ask me something easy. Like getting Westbrook Pegler to dance with Eleanor Roosevelt. <laughs> Mr. Burns, why do you put up with a wife like that? I'm too old to go back to Gus Edwards. <laughs> Besides which, I happen to love her. 
Well, uh, so what did you two decide to do? Well, there was only one thing we could do. That was dig up the actor who played the butler on my program and let Gracie see him. Which we did. Yeah, and that's when we really got into trouble. Well, tell me just what happened. Okay. Spade was giving the guy his final instructions. Now, uh, remember, Claude, you're Jenkins the butler, and I have set you free. <laughs> don't worry, I'll have Mrs. Burns crying like a baby. Mm. In radio, they don't call me the male Ma Perkins for nothing. <laughs> Well, come on, Gracie's in the next room. Honey, here's Sam Spade. Yes, Mrs. Burns, and I've uh, freed the butler. Here he is. Uh, how do you do, madam? It is the butler. I recognize that voice. Oh, I'm so happy for you, Jenkins. What will you do now that you're free? I shall return to the home of my youth. Where does your youth live? <laughs> I had reference to my birthplace, madam, dear old England. I shall go back there to regain my health. Really? Yes, America is nice, but I'll take Liverpool. Well, you don't have to go to England for Liverpools. They're made right here. Oh, yes, that's Carter's little Liverpools. I take them. <laughs> Liverpool is the name of a city. Yes, now uh, thank Mrs. Burns for getting out of jail and then screw, uh, disappear. Madam, your beneficent intervention has terminated a most injurious and humiliating incarceration. You'll never know what that means. Well, I won't unless you shorten the words. <laughs> goodbye, Jenkins. Uh, farewell all. I go to a new and better life. Oh, goodbye. Uh, write me from Kidney Creek. <laughs> Liverpool. Well, I was in the right neighborhood. <laughs> goodbye. Uh, well, that uh, takes care of that, eh, George? You said it. I'll be running along, too. Uh, goodbye, Gracie. Uh, just a minute. Now, look, if the butler didn't murder Mr. Benson, who did? Huh? You proved that his wife and daughter didn't do it, and there was only one other person on the scene, so he must be the murderer. Who? You. <laughs> Me? Confess, Sam Spade, you murdered Mr. Benson. But I had no motive. Then you did it with something else. <laughs> Look, Gracie, Hand will... me my lipstick, George I'm gonna give him the third degree Lipstick? Well, I wanna look nice when he shines that bright light in my face You're supposed to shine it in his face Oh, oh, well, then give him the lipstick <laughs> I'm getting out of this madhouse Goodbye Well, Lieutenant Spade ran out of that house like, like, after, like he was seeing a ghost, which was true because from then on, Gracie started haunting him, trying to make him confess. Yeah, she uh, found out that my radio sponsor was Wild Root Cream Oil, so she disguised herself with a big hat and a veil and knocked at my door. Sam Spade? Yes. How do you do? My name is Wild Root. <laughs> Wild Root? Perhaps you know my husband, Willie Cremoyle. <laughs> my full name is Mrs. Wildroot Cremoyle. I'm the wife of your sponsor. Now, look. I understand you murdered a Mr. Benson. Now, that's strictly forbidden in your contract. Mrs. Cremoyle, you look like Gracie Allen to me. Flattery will get you no place. <laughs> now, if, um, if you'd like to confess, perhaps we can get you off with life imprisonment. And when you come out, you can take over your program again. Gracie, I did not murder Mr. Benson. Go away. But the next day, she was back. This time with another disguise. Sam Spade? Yes? I'm from Western Union. I have a telegram here from President Truman. What? I'll read it to you. Dear Sam, confess. Signed, Harry. <laughs> Any answer? Scram. Beat it. Go away. That's no way to talk to the president. Out! Out! But the third day topped everything. She posed as a private detective. Sam Spade? Yes? I'm Sally Shovel. <laughs> now, listen, chum. We're in the same racket, pal, and I want to help you, buddy, so why don't you confess, Mac? You're a private eye? Also, ear, nose, and throat. <laughs> everything into my work. Now, um, confess, Doc. So you murdered Benson, so what? 
I've been mixed up with a few keepers. Or, or is it capers? In your case, it's keepers. Now go away. <laughs> well, Lieutenant, that's when Spade came to see me again. Looking much older. Yeah, we uh, hit on a brilliant scheme. We decided that I should confess the murder, then George would pretend to take me to the city hall to surrender, and Gracie would forget the whole thing. But Gracie did something we didn't count on. What was that? While I was going to pick up Spade, she called the police. Oh, yes, that's where I come into the picture. She called me. I suppose you tell us what happened then. Well, when I got to the house, she said... There's a desperate criminal on his way here to confess a murder. As soon as he confesses, you can grab him. Don't worry, lady. I'll... Oh, that must be him. Yeah, you wait in the next room. He may be armed. Oh, he is. There's one hanging from each shoulder. <laughs> you call me if you need Oh, hello. Where is everybody? Never mind. What's your name? Bill Goodwin. What did you do with the body? <laughs> I took her home. <laughs> What did you do then? I dumped her out. Oh, she was dead, huh? Well, sure, that's why I took her home. <laughs> You've done a pretty terrible thing, young man. Ah, tomorrow I'll send her some flowers. Oh, you're a real killer. Oh, sure. <laughs> now tell me everything you did tonight. I will not. <laughs> Who are you, her father? No. Well, in that case, I'll tell you that. Another fellow and I double-dated. We met the girls, and the four of us went into a restaurant for dinner. I ordered four cups of Maxwell House coffee. Then what? Well, I told the waiter to bring the other people some, too. See, I wanted them to taste the rich, mellow goodness of Maxwell House. It's America's favorite coffee, you know. Yes, I know. What happened then? Well, that's when the girl and I got into a fight. Aha! What about? She caught me drinking her Maxwell House coffee. <laughs> But you'd had four cups Well, when you taste that good to the last drop flavor You just don't know when to stop You know, Maxwell House is a blend of the finest Latin American coffees Radiant roasted to the peak of flavor perfection Well, officer, did he confess the mur... Bill Goodwin He confessed everything, Mrs. Burns He got mixed up with a girl And now he's headed for the chair You're nuts When I get mixed up with a girl, I head for the divan Electric chair. You killed a girl. Are you kidding? All I killed was five cups of Maxwell House coffee. Yes, officer. This is the wrong man. Sam Spade is the one you want to arrest. Sam Spade is in trouble? Oh, gee, I was going to hire him to find someone for me. Who? Girl about five feet two, red hair, green eyes, terrific figure, drives a Cadillac convertible. Oh, when did you last see her? Who's seen her? I want Spade to find me one like that. <laughs> Not so long. Well, there won't be any mistake this time, officer. Here comes my husband up the walk with the real murderer. Yeah, anyone can tell that guy's a criminal. Look at that low forehead. That's my husband. Oh. <laughs> Well, this time I want to hear the confession before I make the pinch. I'll just duck into this closet. Oh, poor Mr. Spade. I hate to think of him sitting in the electric chair with those long legs. He'll be so uncomfortable. Well, here he is, Gracie. Ready to confess. Yes, I can hide the truth no longer. I killed Benson. Why did you do it, Mr. Spade? That man murdered my mother, ruined my father, tortured my sister, and robbed my brother. Oh, then it was nothing personal. <laughs> no, I just didn't like him. Oh. How, how did it happen? Benson was standing in a bar, see? I walked up to him, let him have two slugs, and he fell to the floor. Mm. Couldn't hold his liquor, huh? <laughs> you let him have two slugs from a pistol. Now, keep quiet and let the man confess. Yes, dear. I never gave him a chance, see? I shot him down in cold blood, and as he lay on the floor, I pulled the trigger again and again and again. When the gun was empty, I stood over his body and laughed like the fiend that I am. <laughs> I should be locked up for 20 years, 30 years. I'll make that 40. Huh? Who are you? I'm Regan from Homicide. I called him over to hear your confession. Okay, come on, Spade. Officer, wait a minute. Let me explain. Mr. Spade and I cooked this whole thing up together. Oh, an accomplice. I'll take you along, too. <laughs> Wait a minute. I've never done anything wrong in my life. Well, of course not. He's my husband, the man who married me. All right, so I did one thing wrong. 
Come on, come on, you two. Well, Lieutenant, that's the whole story. Oh, my apologies, fellas. You're both free to go. Thanks. Come on, Sam. Let's get out of here. You said it. Oh, by the way, Mr. Burns, your wife's waiting outside. Gracie? So long, George. I'm staying in jail. (laughs) So long. Oh, hello, darling. Hello, Gracie. Let's go home. Oh, I can't, sweetheart. I've got something important to do. Hey, you've got that big hat and that veil on again. Where are you going? Well, while you were in jail, I heard Ellery Queen on the radio, and he arrested the wrong man. Oh, no, you're not going to start it. Join us again next Thursday when we'll all be back. George Burns, Gracie Allen, Bill Goodwin, Harry Lubin and the Maxwell House Orchestra, and yours truly, Toby Reed. And now, here are our stars. Well, Gracie, next week we're going to have two guest stars, Mr. and Mrs. James Mason. James Mason? He's that wonderful English actor who's so mean and so rough with women. That's the man. (gasps) Gee, gee, he might hit me. Oh, but with you here, he wouldn't dare. You said it. You'd show him. Mm. If he hit me, you'd hit Mrs. Mason. That's what I do. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, let's all remember to help the National Safety Council in their campaign to cut down the terrible toll of home accidents. Be safe. Be careful. Don't be a Gracie. Good things. The easy way. Do you like good things the easy way? Then get instant Maxwell House coffee. So good. So good. True coffee flavor and fragrance because instant Maxwell House is not a so-called coffee product. It's all pure Maxwell House coffee in instant form. And so easy. So easy. Instant Maxwell House means great coffee instantly in your cup. No fuss, no muss, no bother. Today, try Instant Maxwell House. Instantly good to the last drop. Howard Duff will soon be seen as star of the Universal International picture, Red Canyon. Until next Thursday, when our guests will be Mr. and Mrs. James Mason. Good night and good luck from the makers of Maxwell House, America's favorite brand of coffee. Always good to the last drop. The George Burns and Gracie Allen Show is written by Paul Henning and Keith Fowler. Interesting credits there for Paul Henning at the end as the one of the writers of this program. Paul Henning was um, a writer for George Burns and Gracie Allen all throughout radio and up into their television years. Paul Henning also became the producer of the Beverly Hillbillies, Petticoat Junction, Green Acres, The Real McCoy, Real McCoys and The Andy Griffith Show. So he had a long career in television after this uh, 1949 broadcast of George Burns and Gracie Allen. Notice also there that uh, at one point, Howard Duff, as Sam Spade, says that he has 10 million listeners to uh, the Sam Spade radio show. Back then, Sam Spade was in the top 10 or the top 20, uh, depending on what time we're talking about, but top 10 or top 20 all the time of radio programs, and they had 10 million listeners. In today's world of television, if you get 2 or 3 million listeners, you've, you've got a top 10 show because things are just spread out over so many cable channels and multiple ways of watching television. So a 10 million listener uh, program was quite a big deal back then and would be a huge deal right now. As for podcasts, I'm not sure if... Uh, The listeners to this podcast are familiar with the Joe Rogan Show, but Joe Rogan has the number one podcast of all 
of the podcast. Way more listeners than we have, unfortunately. You people will have to spread us around a little bit more. But anyway, Joe Rogan has, uh, what is it, 11 million listeners to his podcast. So let, let, let's try to get a, a a decent percentage of that for the good old days of radio show. We won't get to 11 million, but let's let's try to get up there somewhere. Close, maybe? Huh? Okay, we'll see. Anyway, <laughs> the way we do that is for you to tell your friends, go to the website, goodolddaysofradio.com, if I'm getting it right. Yes, goodolddaysofradio.com. And also the Facebook page, Good Old Days of Radio Show, and just keep telling your friends. Tell them what great shows we're playing and encourage them to download the podcasts and listen to them on their own when they can, because you can listen to these shows whenever you want to. You don't have to tune in at a specific day or a specific time, although, as you know, every Tuesday and Thursday we do release new programs. So we're going to ingrain that into your brains until you all know that every Tuesday and Thursday there's a new Good Old Days of Radio Show podcast. And this was the Tuesday version of that. We will be back next Tuesday with more drama, variety, and comedy. And we will be back on Thursday with adventure, uh, all about some gigantic ants that uh, <laughs> consume people. Anyway, we'll, we'll hear that next week uh, on Thursday. Until then, this is John Tefteller and the Good Old Days of Radio Show. Goodbye. Goodbye.